Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. I am your host, Michael Dixon. This is our recommend or refute episode where we will each talk about a separate movie that we watched this week and whether or not we would recommend it to the group. Uh, with me, as always, uh, the normal crew, Ryan King. How are you doing? Good, good. Doing all right. Yep. Still still scratching my head about the last movie, but yeah, we're yeah. good. Yeah, the stuntman still uh, still sitting and paying, still you know, living in your there. head rent free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and John Garcia. Hey, uh, I'm excited. I've been doing my own stunts since I watched the stuntman. Oh, uh, don't don't hurt yourself, John. Don't pull a muscle or anything. Oh no, no, it's just drinking on the podcast. That's I consider that a stunt now. Oh, um, yeah. Because who knows uh, what I'm going to say when I get too far into the bottle? Honestly, the amount of whiskey that we consume while recording this podcast is incredibly dangerous. <laughs> um, That's so right. Only professionals We've should, should do. Received that. honorable medals from the state of Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You didn't notice that John replaced like all the glass in his house with that like breakaway glass. glass. That breakaway it's, glass. Yeah. <laughs> Just exactly. in case he needs to hit a guy with a bottle, he's ready to go. Is that why when I, I closed the garage door a little too forcefully and it, it just shattered? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're just in an open space right now. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. I also heard that Roadhouse was being remade. I wanted to get the uh, stuff, but unfortunately, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal beat me to it. God, that looks so years, bad. I can't I'm wait to watch it. I'm very upset that <laughs> they're can't. remaking that movie. <laughs> I sent my buddy a, who also loves Roadhouse like that trailer. I was like, have you fucking seen this shit? And he was like, yeah, like I'll probably check it out. And I was like, I don't think I can watch this thing. He's like, I was like, Conor McGregor's in it. And he's like, who's he playing? Like this guy? And he sent like the bad guy from Roadhouse. That's like <laughs> yeah, the like, like, yes. 50 year old bar owner dude who runs the town. I'm like, I don't think like they're not remaking Roadhouse with all those characters. right? Yeah. They're just taking the general idea and making some Dana White propaganda is what it. But then Sam Elliott's like. still going to come back. <laughs> I wish, um, you know, as uh, you know, as problematic as Sam Elliott's opinions are about gay westerns, um, it, you know, he still has a wonderful voice, and I would love to see him in the Roadhouse remake, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, cool. Anyway, this is not a podcast about Roadhouse. Ryan, what did you watch this week? <laughs> Maybe we wish it was. Was uh, it Roadhouse? We'll off. Did we'll you watch Roadhouse? Off. I yeah. didn't. I did not watch Roadhouse. No, with the uh, passing of Carl Weathers, he has been on my mind. Rest in peace. Uh, R.I.P., man. Yes. That's so sad. All, all week. Um, yeah, Carl Weathers has always had like a soft spot. I've always had a soft spot. Like so many things he did. Um, Never once touched his per diem. I'll tell you a little story about acting. I was doing the Showtime movie Hot Ice with Ann Archer. Never once touched my per diem. I go to craft service, get some raw veggies, bacon, cup of soup. <laughs> Maybe I had a stew going. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, oh, yeah, he, from his like action stardom to the, the way he bought into comedy later, like I love him and Happy Gilmore. We talk about Arrested Development. I think we talk about him specifically, uh-huh. Arrested Development. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, he was even doing The Mandalorian recently. Like, I think, yeah, he, he's amazing. It's really great to look back over his career. Um, and so in particular, I, I, my mind was drawn to Action Jackson from 1988. He's a cop who carries no weapon. This Jackson is so vicious, we don't even let him have a gun. Yeah! He's a maverick who answers to no one. You might to let boy's arm off. He had a spare. <laughs> He's a man who's no talk. I bet I can make you change your mind. And all action. How do you like your ribs? When it calls for action. Jackson! He's the one to call. Carl 
Weathers is Action Jackson, and action is on the way. That's exactly what I was going to say. I have not seen Action Jackson. I need to. Like, I yeah. feel like I would like it, even though it seems oh, like yeah. it's probably bad. But It's fun. Yeah. It's a fun time. Um, I feel like maybe, John, on the old podcast, you did talk about this. Because I know we talked about Carl Weathers, and I stumbled over pronouncing Carl and Carr or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, somewhere back there. <laughs> and uh yeah carl our, our best selling item is at the carl's salesman shop was action jackson carl weathers um <laughs> yes. oh more than apollo creed carl weathers interesting carl weathers yeah. who also plays uh what those those different carls in toy story 4 uh i think yeah he yes. plays combat carl <laughs> yeah, yeah. Combat carl, yes. yeah. uh a- action jackson came about from working on predator and the uh, director of Predator, of yes, <laughs> and uh, Carl Weathers and the director of Predator like bonded over black exploitation films, and uh, more or less were like, we should make one, like we should kind of make one, and ended up get, the, the director for Predator produced Action Jackson, but the stunt coordinator from Predator is the director of Action Jackson, nice. and it shows uh, because yes, stuntman time. Uh, 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 very much a la stuntman. This movie starts with a dude on fire falling through a skylight onto a dinner table <laughs> of a restaurant. So like, yeah, that's the that's what you're going to get as far as the action in this movie is concerned. And the action's right there in the title. Um, it is probably your black exploitation for white people, honestly, movie. It It's very palatable. And it is very much an '80s movie. If you, yeah, if you enjoyed Predator, if you enjoy like Commando, like any of those kind of like just straight up action or cop action movies with one-liners and some crazy stunts and a dude's on fire, right? That this is absolutely going to hit home. Um, and you know, Carl Weathers did some other action things, but this is really his like feature film lead. Carl Weathers, you know, action like this movie. Um, it's, you know, you're like the plot, the, kind of the rest of the things around it are are very much like by the numbers, like they should be. Craig T. Nelson is the bad guy of of Coach Fame. Coach Fame, yeah. Coach, um, we all know. I buy him as this, like he's an entrepreneur, like underworld businessman, and a mafia you know, don. You, yeah, kinda, but it's like he's he deals upheld drugs, in right? the. Or- I don't know. He does a little bit of everything as far oh, as I can okay. tell. I never really pin him down. Real American. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's trying to gain more power by killing off union leaders. Oh, okay. Uh, oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, sure. yeah, it's kind of the plot. And all of that's fine. And most of the fights... Did he fights, kill Jimmy Hoffa? Yeah, he might. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, most of the fights Action Jackson has are with henchmen or whatever, right? Where it's just the regular stuff. But I, I will say at the end, after he drives a fucking car into Craig D. Nelson's house. Yep. Uh, they have a fist fight that lasts way longer than it should because this is Apollo Creed and Coach. <laughs> yeah, this should uh, last about fighting. half a second. But right? instead, it's yeah. like the fucking alleyway scene from They Live. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> like is, this is the pinnacle of the of the movie, so they draw it out. Um, but yeah, the, the other thing about this is from a one-liners perspective, that is fucking all this movie is. Like, almost to yep. a stupid, absurd degree... But that it comes back around to being enjoyable. But like every single thing someone says, and it's not just Action Jackson saying it back. Other people around them say something back. And so it's like they're in the they're in the corner office, 
And one one of the other cops is like, oh, uh, he says it's a suicide. And Action Jackson's like, he wouldn't know a suicide if it crawled up his ass and died. (laughs) All right. Did you have to? What? What does that mean? (laughs) What does that even mean? And if you're watching it, you don't have time to process it because they're on to the next thing. And the next (laughs) one, it just keeps going. Uh, yes, and the, the best of which, you know, I'll, I'll give it away, but it's still enjoyable if you watch it. Towards the end, they've got Action Jackson tied up, and is they're about to torture him, and the guy comes over with, like, a flamethrower, mm-hmm. and he's like, time to start the barbecue, and he, like, gets the flamethrower, but then Action Jackson, like, gets away, and there's a fight scene that ensues, and then Jackson has the flamethrower, and he's turning back to that guy, and he goes, barbecue's on, how do you like your ribs? <laughs> lights <laughs> him up. <laughs> Very nice. That's awesome. Oh, so yeah, I think it it's it's a good fun. Like it's just absolutely what it should be from this, you know, nineteen eighty eight. If you like canon films, if you know, if, if it's exactly that, um, very enjoyable. I do feel like it it did well at it at the time, and it was one of those that kind of hung around a little bit here and there for a while about maybe getting a sequel. Um, they kind of never it, it never manifested, um, but it. I feel like now it's just very much forgotten. A lot of, it feels like a lot of the action eighties movies, like they come up and then they go down like, and, and, and kind of sometimes they're really popular for a little bit and then everybody kind of forgets about them. And this is one that, that kind of should be at least in the conversation. And I feel like, you know, if you go get your staple, like I'm going to get my Arnold movie, I'm going to get my Steven Seagal movie, I'm going to get my Van Damme movie. Mm-hmm. Like you should be like, okay, let me get Carl Weathers movie. And then, right. Like I, I, feel like he should be in that mix it is kind of a shame too that like he's been the lead character in so few films you know he's so iconic you you everybody knows carl weathers right he's so great as apollo creed and as uh I forget his character's name in Happy Gilmore, but he's so fucking good. at Chubbs. Uh, Chubbs. Chubbs, yeah. <laughs> Chubbs. Uh, some, some weird fucking word. Um, but it's like, you know, he's in these movies and he's so good, but he's mostly a, you know, a secondary character in them, just supporting, like, the white lead. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I wish we... It, it, like, we should have, like, five action Jackson movies. Like, we have Dirty right. Harry movies and Death Wish movies and shit like that. Right? Like, that would be awesome. If we had Carl Weathers carrying something like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is right in that line of Death Wish. Like, it's not, you know, Death Wish isn't something that's, like, excellent either. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> but it's good, right? It's Yeah, it's hilarious. It's great action. Great is a strong word for Death Wish. Um, but it, okay, I mean, the like later Death Wishes action, are even right? better, but <laughs> for, for action. Yeah, I, I agree. And in fact, sadly, at the time that this came out, it, it did well, and it did really well in VHS cells afterwards as well, which is how I first saw it, you know, many years ago. Um, Ebert kind of crapped on the movie, and in particular, yes, in, in Roger Ebert's review, he called out that he was like, Carl Weathers needs to just be the other guy he's great but he doesn't need to lead a movie oh my god he's so charismatic he has everything and you need in a leading it was ebert's man. fault yeah ebert yes. did this yeah yeah Keep and he's he i would actually say like kind of the cast around carl weathers is a little bit weaker um in particular uh the girl character that you know inev- he saves and inevitably falls in love with him or whatever is played by vanity who is uh like a eh, little bit of a musician a little bit of a sex symbol back then uh, and she's pretty weak, uh, yeah. uh, and, and that you know that takes it down a little bit. But we also have like Sharon Stone is in this, 
you know, okay, Greg Nelson yeah. does fine with what you know with what he's got. Um, so it's like it's it, they're they're there too to to support it. But I'm like he carries it most of this movie and is enjoyable. He gets excuses to take his shirt off. You know everything you need. Everything you need. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You got to see those Carl Weathers tits. Yeah, this is right after Carl Predator. Weathers. We got to see those guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching this. Uh, you know, whether or not I did talk about it on the podcast is besides the point. But I, I remember having a really great time with it. And, like, it is that turn off your brain. It's also interesting just to spark up because you said that they they kind of, like, got together, uh, Carl Weathers and the director of Predator, and the were like, stung, yeah, no, hey, yeah. let's make something that's, like, a send-up to black exploitation." Because it's one of those things where I don't know if like people go through different phases of learning what black exploitation is and like how to apply it, but I feel like black exploitation is only in the seventies, and then when we get into like the eighties, there's exploitative films, but they're nothing like what black exploitation was, and it was like sixties to seventies is kind of when that started. Um, so it's always interesting to 70, hear about 70, like, when is Shaft the first one? Seventy one. Shaft is the first one, but like I mean the the wheel started in the late sixties for okay. like actually producing those kinds of films and like toying with it and then the 70s yeah when shaft made it everything else just boomed um and uh yeah then into the 80s you get now you get these ripple effects where people are like i really liked that those movies and the way that they were told it was fun it's like there's definitely a formula to it and we've talked about black dynamite before as well um but uh always interesting to hear about it and that's when i watched action jackson i was like yeah i could totally see this but also yeah. it's an 80s action movie it's not nearly yeah. as black exploitative i guess in in the way that it's approaching the subject matter so the one-liners are great though <laughs> does anyone in the movie call him action jackson or is that just the oh, name of the like movie? everyone yeah pretty oh, much everyone everybody that, yeah, yeah constantly oh, okay he has a he has a first name that gets mentioned like a couple of times and usually yeah. by people that don't want to call him action jackson but no constantly the whole Detective first jericho like, jackson is jericho that was it IMDb. yeah um the, you know, we have our little initial intro scene where somebody dies that's the setup for, you know, our moving our plot forward of our mystery, yeah. so to speak. And then right after that, uh, a whole bunch of shots of Detroit, a whole bunch of shots of Detroit looking like shit and people in Detroit stealing things. And then uh, these two cops pick up a kid that's trying to steal a, a purse, a purse snatcher. Mm -hmm. And the whole time they're driving him to the precinct and they're walking him to the precinct, they're just constantly talking about all the things that Action Jackson is going to do to this kid <laughs> when he gets a hold of him. <laughs> and just like freaking the kid out and just saying like the most outlandish, increasingly outlandish shit about like what Action Jackson did the last time. They're going to let him out of his cage. They had to clean the guy's <laughs> balls off the wall that he had last time. Like, just fucking keep going. So yeah, I'm like, they build him up for so long. Amazing. And it's like, yeah, it's Action Jackson. Like he's What do they call you know, him, like, to shorten it? Like, do they call him Action? Nope. I think they just, they just say Action Jackson. Jackson. Full, Jackson. full name, Action time. Jackson, Action every Jackson. time. Jackson. AJ? Do they call him AJ? Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, I don't think anyone says Action. Detective Jackson. They just say Action Jackson, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, that sounds good. I need to, I definitely need to watch that movie. And I, I've been thinking about Carl Weathers a lot over the past few days. And, uh, our, our buddy Lane, who's guested on the podcast a couple of times, sent me a, a story. I, I, I fucking love Arrest Development. It's my favorite TV show of all time. And I love Carl Weathers in it. And Lane sent me this uh, article where Mitch Hurwitz, the creative of Arrest Development, was talking about how he wanted to bring Carl Weathers in to do like some Rocky jokes, essentially, where he was like, 
he should come in and like, oh, he's training Tobias to be an actor. And we should do like a reshoot of like the Rocky three homoerotic running down the beach scene <laughs> with Tobias and Carl Weathers. And yeah. like, that would have been fucking hilarious That's funny. That's funny. if they yeah. did that. But he calls Carl Weathers and he's like, hey, Carl, is it, you know, we had we had like a joke earlier in the show about how like Tobias was going to take acting lessons for you. And now we actually want to do that and like have you be in the show. And Carl's like, OK, cool. But like, it's not just going to be a bunch of Rocky jokes, is it? Because like people don't want to see that shit. Like, I don't want to do any of that. And Hurwitz is like, no, Carl, come on. Like, this is a full, <laughs> well-rounded character. Give me some credit here. I wouldn't do that. And <laughs> Carl Weathers is like, OK, cool. Because like, you know, I'm funny. Like, I got good charismatic timing. Like, we could do some fun shit here like what if i was really cheap <laughs> and he's like what he's like yeah what if i was just like really cheap and he's like okay all right carl let's do it and then he came back to the writer he's like you're not gonna believe this carl weathers is in and he wants to be really cheap <laughs> <laughs> amazing oh uh, he's like I, I fucking love like i quote baby you got a stew going all the fucking yeah. time and you know i never once used my per diem and like you know i love the scenes where like he wants to have all his meetings at burger king because he's yes. just like he's just like you, it's like, you know, you can get a refill on any drink you want here drink. and it's free. Your wife works at a restaurant? Yeah. Does she get yeah. a shift meal or, or just have 50% discount on select menu items? I don't know. Let's go find out. Yeah. I also fucking love that when your, your husband is Carl Weathers. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, the one that always like gets leaving. me. <laughs> yeah. It's my husband over there. You're married to Carl Weathers? <laughs> Oh, oh man! It's like, oh, he's nothing more than a Boy Scout. You could take him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love Arrested Development. Uh, but this podcast is not about Roadhouse or, <laughs> or Arrested, Arrested Development. Development. We no, keep no, finding no. out what this podcast is not love, about. <laughs> but um, any other thoughts on Carl Weathers before we move on? Just that uh, I I celebrate the guy's entire filmography. You know, I I want to fucking watch all the Carl Weathers movies. Yeah. I don't care how bad they get. Yeah, yeah. It honestly is a lot a lot of hits and you're right there are a lot of where he's you know a supporting character but he really brings it up whatever he's in he, he oh yeah he adds the magic a lot uh, yeah definitely so like yeah right you know rocky there's a lot to be said about stallone you know his charisma the interesting the the movie the creation of that movie and all that but you're like yep. fuck dude paulo creed like mm-hmm. if it was something else it wouldn't be to that level like he fucking no. sells apollo yep. creed yeah, he's getting a getting a stew going in the sky. Yeah, the big sky stew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, John, what do you got? For, wait, hold on, Ryan. Was that a recommend for Action Jackson? Oh yeah, fuck yeah, it's a recommend. <laughs> okay. for, like, what do we say? We recommend sure. everything of Carl Weathers is ever yeah. done. Yes. Yeah, okay, everything from Carl Weathers. <laughs> and I refute this one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he also makes Happy Gilmore so much better than it should be. You know, it, like, yeah. he's so right. yes, he's he so good in that role. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Anyway, John, what did you watch this week? And was Carl Weathers in it? Uh, Carl Weathers was not in it, but it it was a black exploitation send up. So um, I we did an episode on Black Dynamite right before Outlaw Johnny Black came out, and I figured it's time I go back and I watch Outlaw Johnny Black. My name is Johnny Black. I am no gentleman and I am no preacher. I thought I would join you for birth for hallelujah. That man is not what he pretends to be. Surprise! Didn't the Bible say to turn the other cheek? I don't know. I mean, probably. Yeah. I said stop. Stop me. But it also said you could hit a bully with a slingshot. And this is mine. 
don't crack shot, Mom. Well, now you just shot. I think ain't no preacher at all. False prophets rose among the people. You know this vile man, Reverend Fairman? Reverend Fairman? Ah! I'll be Reverend Fairman, and you'll be my deacon. Now, why in God's name would I agree to do something like that? There's oil been found on the property. Ooh, hallelujah! Now, this town is about to come into a whole heap of money. We must arm ourselves and prepare for the worst. I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. I tried to see that when it was in theaters, and it was only in theaters for like a week, and I missed it. Uh, there's a reason. There's yeah. definitely a reason. Oh, no. um, so, yeah, I, I decided whenever it became available for pre-order, I trust Michael J. White. I trust Black Dynamite and the writers behind it. Even if this thing is bad, it could still be probably pretty fun. And uh, I was wrong. I was apparently wrong. Uh, and I placed my pre-order, and I can't get a refund for it. Um, mm. but yeah, the outlaw Johnny black is pretty much a, a direct send up to uh boss. I won't say the full title of boss, but the 1974 movie boss with Fred Williamson. I have seen that. Yep. Black man in a white man town. He's got trouble. Get in his way. He's gonna cut you down. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll splice in the music here, uh, just up to a certain point and then we will cut they it. Call him boss. anyway, so, um, th- to explain the premise of Ella Johnny Black, I'll explain the premise of boss, which is that Fred Williamson is a badass outlaw bounty hunter who like, finds a letter in the pocket of some fucking uh, white dudes who were trying to, I don't know, they're just a bunch of thieves or something. And one of them was going to be propped up as the sheriff of this town and help uh, this conspiracy with the mayor to like subjugate the town to certain rules and requirements, whatever. So instead Fred Williamson takes that like letter he found on these dead guys who were going to be bountied. And he shows up and is like, I am the sheriff of this town. And then he just fucks with people like all the white people in the town that are racist as shit. He like throws them in jail and is like, give me five dollars and you can get out. All right. It's ten dollars for continuing to like resist (laughs) (laughs) and like uh, just like trolls them the whole way through. So Outlaw Johnny Black has a similar thing. It starts with, I guess, like leaning on that mythos of like there's this one black outlaw everybody knows who's just a badass and um, it has some of the similar tones of like racism in it where uh, at the very beginning Della Johnny Black just shoots a dude's hat off his head to warn him because the dude's being racist at him and the whole town decides to hang him for killing the guy um, because the guy has a heart attack as as a result of the <laughs> scare, which sounds like a great gag. And the whole time they're like, do you, do you like, want to have have any few words that you want to say before we hang you in the middle of this town and he's like yeah i can't believe everybody's hanging me for shooting a hat like i killed a hat and that's like everything that he just uh, kind of introduces so it, it has like this initial tone of like black dynamite style but it also is trying to conjure um like a, an actual western like serious tone and i feel like uh, boss accomplishes mm. doing both and Outlaw Johnny Black falls flat on its face. Like, for instance, well, one, it starts to dip into uh, really uncomfortable territory when it shows you a Native Native American people 
who uh, are all like initially they're all played by white people, which I thought was hilarious. Um, honestly, <laughs> like that's a that's a really funny fucked up joke, and uh. I think that you could get away with it. But then they continue to like my family's have been them. here for fifty years. Yeah, We're yeah. native they, to these they, parts. They they like it, I wish that they would talk that way, but they just talk in like some gibberish, and I was just like, oh god, <laughs> this is not going to be good. Um, and the whole plot of it becomes uh, there's a preacher trying to make his way to the small town. He accidentally gets caught up with outlaw Johnny Black. Um, he supposedly the, he thinks the preacher dies, but he has like some seizure or something. And uh, Johnny Black's like, well, he's dead. I'll take his clothes and go to the town and I'll be the new preacher for them. And then I can hide out since I have a wanted bounty after I escaped from uh, my hanging. Um, that preacher gets uh, kidnapped by the natives and they find like a ring he was going to propose to his sweetheart with in the hometown. And then it becomes this like, like boomer humor oh, their daughter's really fucking ugly and uh, this guy's now going to be put in a ceremony to marry her and all the natives dance around doing the, like, the wah-wah on their mouth and I'm just like, oh my God. Mm. Like, this is not funny anymore. They're not even played... If they were played by an all-white cast and it continued to rail against, like, Hollywood racism, maybe I could get some of it, but it it doubles down on that and continues the preacher's story and then starts following Johnny black at the same time. Always masquerading as a priest. They keep cutting back to gags with the native tribe and doing some bullshit. And it's, it's not funny. None of it works. It feels like, like your fucking uncle telling you a joke at Thanksgiving and like ribbing you about it and being like, ah, you gay, you fucking see. Um, the only funny moments really come from Johnny black trying to be a preacher, which just apes off of, uh, the, the, the actual black dynamite moment when they're in the diner, like, Oh, like what is Mars candy known for? And like that kind of stuff. Mm. And so he'll be like, uh, they're like his whole congregation is like, we love you preacher. We've been writing you all letters. And he has to pretend that he's not that he is the preacher. And so he should know what they know. So he starts being like, we all know in our favorite passage, which is, and he's like quizzing them and they're like, Oh, it's uh, you know, John, whatever. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Which the entire does congregation say, has the same favorite passage. They, the, yeah. Cause they all share like a same love <laughs> and whatever. And so he just like, he does that gag a lot and he meets like the two sisters who run the town. One of them is going to, marry the preacher and she's okay and the other one is like the actual brains behind the town and she's super hot and he wants to like make it with her but he's the preacher and he's in this like love triangle um is he a catholic priest no he's not okay um it gets so bogged down in all of it like it goes between trying to be serious it'll show moments where like something's happening with somebody in the town and it's really serious and, and he has to help and it gives like a backstory to johnny too where like Oh, there's a an outlaw that's looking for him that's always been a badass who killed his dad and he wants to kill that guy. Um and it talks about like how that happened and like you just there's no jokes in any of those parts and then at other times when he's trying to be the priest, it's got like fucking weird visual gags. Like he tries to escape out of a window while he's the preacher and a dude walks into his room and is like, what are you doing preacher? And he's like, I'm just dangling my feet out the window. That's what God wants us to do. And like, we, we can feel, and the guy's like, all right, I guess I'll join you. And they both just sit there awkwardly out of a window together. Mm. And it's like genuinely kind of a funny gag. Cause then they have, the actual like U.S. Marshals are outside because they suspect he's an outlaw and they're just looking at these two men dangle their feet out of curtains. <laughs> and they're like, something ain't right about this preacher. I can't figure out what it is. <laughs> like 
those moments are funny, but there's like five of them in the movie. And the rest of it is this like, I wish you could be more. I wish you had done something different. Like if you're going to be serious, do it and commit to it. But if you're going to do gags, then like stop, like talk to other people about what your fucking gags are. Cause it's clear that these are just written in a vacuum and it's not funny. It doesn't work the way that it should. So I was very disappointed. And after I decided to watch boss just to see what the original was like, and that movie did the exact same thing, but so much better and at the end of Outlaw Johnny Black, Fred Williamson shows up in full boss gear and is like, yeah, he's he's done it right. He's really carrying on the legacy the right way. And I was like, no, he's not. Why the fuck are they making Fred Williamson say this? Mm. Fred, don't lie to everybody. This is not the movie you thought it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, yeah. it was not good. So He showed up for his day of shooting. Like, Yeah. He, he yeah, got his check. Exactly. Yeah. Good for Fred. Yeah, good for him. Um, when we talked about... Like we talked about zany movies or, or you know, sort of this type of lampooning where you still have to have a core movie yeah, that, mm-hmm. that it follows along. And the more you're wanting to build sort of silliness or whatever on top of it, the more the core needs to be straightforward. <laughs> like, and, and I think that, you know, it works for uh, Black Dynamite. And this started production as Black Dynamite 2 and they changed their minds. Like, that's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. What worked for Black Dynamite is it's just it's obvious like what the story is, right? He's like the badass. There's drug deals in town, you yeah. know, there's pimps, there's whatever. He's gonna clean it up, slap everybody around to get the ladies. Gets very straightforward. And then you just sort of follow through and you get all these gags. And in the same way, I'm like Blazing Saddles is relatively straightforward yep. in like what its core plot is. Like it makes sense. And you just like take another western movie and what you're talking about i'm like that's a complicated western movie like no you just take it it's the the guy comes into town bunch of people get shot (laughs) he's gonna clean it up or he is the problem one way or the other and and like that's it it's just yeah or yeah or he's both he's playing both sides whatever that's fine and then then you just build around that yeah, it, absolutely. And like, I was talking to a friend of mine who was like, oh, I, he'd been wanting me to see it so that we could talk about it. And he was like, I saw that you rated it like lower. You didn't like it as much. And the more that we talked about it, the more that he kind of was like, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. all of those points are relevant. Cause he was like, oh, the stuff in the town where he's trying to pretend to be a preacher was fun. And I was like, yeah, but that's like 30 minutes of like a two hour plus movie. Mm. And oh, that's uh, too long. Yeah, very long, yeah. and like the jokes hold for so long that you're like, okay, that's none of this is is going to be funny. I was like, what they could have done is one, if you're gonna have Native Americans in it and you're gonna spoof it and you're doing old Hollywood shit, make all the Native American people white and make them speak perfect English and just have them say that they're Native Americans. Was and Natalie Wood have in them it? Make up no, she was <laughs> <laughs> and have them make up like bullshit traditions where you can just see right through it as an audience member. And you're like, this isn't, this doesn't make any fucking, why would they do? But like, that's a good way to skewer that and then simplify the whole Johnny black story and just have like no love triangle, have him be the new preacher in town. A woman like is in love with him. That's, what boss did but then like talk about like contemporary racism or do there's like so many gags you could do that build and satire and skewer and and it felt like more of this was like um you know it it was just like a straightforward comedy there wasn't like a commentary behind it there didn't feel like there was any homage to older cinema which is what black dynamite succeeds at and what this is trying to channel but yeah it just 
Um, anyways, all comes to that. And yeah, Ryan, you're right. It's just too complicated. Like they just complicated too much of it and they couldn't, they couldn't even follow through on action scenes. Like there's CG animation in here to like make a tunnel explode. And it looks like a Neil Breen film. And (laughs) I was like, you can make this work. Like you don't need to do whatever this shit is like figure something else just out blow up a tunnel like it's not that it's expensive. not that hard the yeah. trains don't really run anymore in california <laughs> <laughs> i i did want to ask you about because black dynamite is so good at both making fun of and homaging the mm-hmm. black exploitation genre yeah and it sounds like this movie doesn't succeed in that like given that you watched boss right after and you've seen a lot of black exploitation films is there anything like could you see what they were trying to do and maybe they just missed on or like is there are there attempts to homage like you know is there a scene with a boom mic are there things that like are they you know are the things that they're trying to do to uh you know make note of prior films and yeah, these genres you're on to something there and that no they didn't do any of that and that's also mm. a problem because with black dynamite it was shot it's low budget it's what black exploitation was having like the boom might come in and out when i watch boss it was high production like they used their own western stage oh, yeah. it's like mid-budget kind of uh western film and like for this one i don't need to see boom mics or anything but they didn't even go any mile to try to put film grain over it they didn't try to conjure an aesthetic of like an older okay this is like what a western would be or like you know you could have visual gags where if you really wanted to do continuity issues or some other shit with like having a cardboard cut out of like one of the stage or like the fucking saloons or something is there Uh sure show a facade but they don't go to that length either that's where like I feel like Black Dynamite's humor is so well woven through every frame of the film. Like they're just constantly thinking of how they can fuck things up and doing one takes. And I feel like here they leaned heavily into like, we have digital, we want to do basically like a boss send up. We're going to do as many takes as we need. And the moment the movie starts, I didn't mention this, the editing betrays so much of the film. Like there's just so much that's either it's over edited or it's really long and should be cut down and they just didn't. Um, But like the very beginning, though, Johnny Black rides into town and it's it's atmospheric. It's like a Clint Eastwood kind of style. He's riding Mm -hmm. on the horseback and they have like, you know, the shot of his torso. They don't show his face or anything yet. He stops in front of like the coffin maker and he just does like three fingers out and like, I'm going to fucking kill three people here. Very just straight off of fistful of dollars. Yeah, exactly. They they just go straight from that. (laughs) Uh. But they do that sequence of him telling the coffin maker to do three coffins in like five cuts and it's like five cuts of like up close on the fingers, far away, up close on the coffin maker. Now the reverse shot. Now back to Johnny Black. And it's disorienting. And the moment that it happens, yeah. you're like, why the fuck did they do this? They don't. They edit too much. It if seems like tr- you need to do that in one solid take where you just show the hand come up and you see that's, the coffin maker behind. Yeah, and yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's like the magic that I think is missing from it is that that roughness. Um, when you look at like older black exploitation films or you look at Boss, um, they have one take only and they also just continue to roll from one angle because it's too expensive to position the camera multiple places. And so the Outlaw Johnny Black feels overproduced, underthought, and like it just doesn't land any of what it's trying to do. 
So I was very down on it and very sad after I watched it. And then I watched oh, boss man. and was like, well, at least it pointed me in boss's direction. And I'll take that as a consolation for now. But yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned Eastwood. I wanted to ask about that because the outlaw Johnny black seems to be referencing the outlaw Josie, Josie Wales, mm-hmm. which is a great movie um, and has its own problematic portrayals of natives and, and the Confederacy and, and things like that. But it's yeah. a very good Western. Um, and, you know, you're talking about like shooting people's hats off of their heads. That sounds like for a few dollars more. Like it, it feels like the things you've said sound like he's pulling a lot of Eastwood in. Um, like, is that what he is doing? And, and like, were there more blatant references to the outlaw Josie Wales or have you seen that movie? I haven't seen the outlaw Josie Wales, but I can tell you, I got a sense from this movie that it is pulling references wherever it can and wherever it wants to, mm. but in a way that doesn't work like black dynamite did like black dynamite pulls so many black exploitation references that they go fully over your head because they fit seamlessly into the storytelling. Right. Yeah. And this one, it was like, okay, Uh, that's either bad dialogue or it's a reference to something or it's the way that this action scene is set up that it's supposed to be clearly an homage to something else. It is almost directly like they took all of these different segments from Westerns that they wanted to put in and they just threw them into the movie without thinking of how to weave them together. So they conflict at different times and they'll... It causes like a friction as an audience member. You struggle to like care after a certain point and like focus on what's happening. Um, But yeah, like... I don't know if you saw, I'm curious Dixon, if you watched it, although I am refuting it and I don't think that it's really (laughs) worth watching. I just would like to at least know, like, are there, maybe I'll look it up. Are there like references being made that are just going over my head for it? But yeah, I I mean, I would assume there probably are because that's what Michael Jai White does. Yeah. But, um, I don't know that it matters for your viewing enjoyment. It it shouldn't like it, it makes black dynamite like more, enjoyable and you have like this appreciation for it but it's not necessary and here i feel like i would at least need to be like oh they're doing that scene to get like even the smallest amount of dopamine in my brain while i watched it so yeah interesting yeah it feels like it sounds like they really weren't going for black dynamite yeah right that this was a attempt to do something different or which, more, you know, like pulling I, I from white westerns, not black westerns, which seems or well, yeah. Uh, more I mean, both, even pulling from both, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, even doing just like whether it, yeah, some sort of like spaghetti western send up, or you know, just general western send up, send up. But it sounds like they're trying to get into like more of its own, like not the style of Black Dynamite, like yeah. not like what I guess you were would be expecting, which I think is difficult. I think you're having an audience that's coming in honestly wanting to see. Black, black dynamite, dynamite. <laughs> which yeah, just more black dynamite not even yeah but okay black dynamite in the west great uh, yeah which is where i'm like that's what defeats it ultimately is half of it wants to be the black dynamite sequel spiritual successor and the other half wants to be its own movie they have like a moral yeah. message in it that they try to convey where it's like you know you can't lie to this congregation of people also, I didn't even mention there's a whole other subplot where there's a white rancher trying to get the fucking church land because it's got oil on it. And like, <laughs> they just bring that shit up. And I'm like, I mean, these are all the tropes and stories that are very clearly found in like Western and post-Western. Is it a there will be blood commentary? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even that deflates like that villain dies and like nobody cares. Mm. And there's another villain, the villain who killed his dad that comes up and it's like, 
it's just all mixed. It, it clearly is made from a place where they were like, we got to make something and we want to make it like black dynamite. But I also want to be taken seriously. If I, I want to try something that's a black stuff. Western, yeah. I want to do that. And yeah. so it just kills itself doing yeah, that. That's what yeah. I was wondering. It's tough. It's tough as a, as a creator, if you do want yeah. to take a new step and I'm sure then you're still stuck on like, well, people have some expectations for me. Yeah. And it's not like he's in a position where he can take a huge loss and then. Yeah. Make this took movie, a lot right? to like fund and there's yeah. like a whole campaign that's been going for years. And so I was just very disappointed and sad. I'm not like frustrated or mad at Michael J. White for making it and putting it. I'm glad I sat through it. I at least know and I'm able to comment on it, but like, I'm not going to go back to it. Um, and, uh, I, I hope that he's able to, um, make another movie and do like take lessons that he learned from whatever this was, um, yeah. to do it. I, I would love I, to see more, but yeah, you know. I'm thinking, I'm like, if you make, if you're Tarantino <laughs> and you make yep. reservoir dogs yep, and the next movie, everybody wants to see a shit ton of people get shot up. Well, I was going to say, and then you, and then they sit through once upon a time in Hollywood, but it, there's a lot of people getting shot at the end, but mm. for a good chunk <laughs> of that like movie, I think people would be disappointed. Yeah. yeah people would be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told because it, it is completely different, right. From, Re- from reservoir dogs, but yeah. Tarantino takes us on a trip through his movie making where he gets some of that, right. Yep. We still have those standoffs that everybody knows and likes, but he's taken us in new places as his career has gone. Now he can take chances. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's tough. I'm sorry, Michael J. White. I don't like your movie. Um, I hope you do better <laughs> next time. Uh, I love Black Dynamite, though, and I think that you're a talented person who could write something that's that's better than what Outlaw Johnny Black was. That's my belief, and maybe I'm an asshole for saying that, but I still like you, dude. Fucking dick. <laughs> oh, wow. Deflate. Way to take the wind out of my sails. All right. Well, I, I refute that. What the fuck are you bringing, Dixon? <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I watched uh, several 2023 movies this week. I'm catching up on some like foreign releases from 2023 that are slow to get to Austin that I have been catching up on. And I watched uh, this week a three hour and nine minute movie from Argentina called The Delinquents. ¿Qué pasa? Te vine a proponer algo. Mira para abajo. Tiene 650 mil dólares. Hoy saqué el banco. Necesito que lo guarde y lo cuide vos. Entre año y medio, cuando salgo, nos repartimos. 325 mil para cada uno. Um, it's on Mubi if you subscribe to that. Um, the Delinquents is a heist movie in the style of like a slow cinema character drama, um, and it's a very it's a very interesting melding of genres um, coming together in this movie. Um, the movie takes place in modern day but the main characters work at a bank and so it feels like it takes place in 1978 in a lot of ways because just (laughs) every bank is just stuck in the stone age and operate in this way um the lead character uh they're they're kind of two co-leads one of them is named moran and the other them the other is named roman um so you know we switched two letters here so we're kind of looking at opposite sides of the same coin perhaps um they've both been working at this bank for a very long time 
Um, and it's a very dehumanizing job where they've been there for, you know, 15, 20 years and they have the same job over and over and they are, are kind of reduced to cogs in the machine, just expected to do their job, take their salary and be happy and, and go home. And one day Moran decides that that's just not enough anymore and he, he wants to get out. And so he decides to steal some money from the bank in one of the most like low-key bank heist scenes you will ever see. He just kind of calmly puts 650000 American dollars into a duffel bag and leaves the bank. Um, he then meets up with his coworker, Roman, for dinner. Um, they're not friends. No one at this bank is actually friends. Like, they have a terrible work culture. They just kind of exist as as worker bees and they don't really seem to really know anything about each other. But he's dinner with Roman and he has a, his duffel bag under the table and he's like, Hey, look, look down under the table. It's like that bag is like, yeah, I got $650,000 in there. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go turn myself in and report that I stole this money from the bank. You are going to hold it at wherever you want to. You are going to keep track of this money. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get a six-year sentence. I'm going to get out in three and a half years on good behavior. And then we're going to meet up and we're going to split this money in half. Half of $650,000 is 325000 If you work at this bank every day for another 25 years and then finally retire, you will make $325,000 over the course of that time, American dollars in, in Argentina. And he's like, do you want to do that? Or do you want to you know, take this risk and not have to work? Uh, and he's like, look, I don't want, I need a lavish lifestyle. I need a lot of money. I just need to be able to make the salary I would make. And I need to not be at the bank anymore. And he's like three and a half years in prison or 25 more at the bank. That's my decision. That's what I'm doing here. And I think that's a, it's a really interesting concept on, you know, kind of what, how is it worth spending your time and achieving the type of life that you want to achieve? Roman is kind of left with no option because Moran tells him like, look, if you, if you don't go along with this, you try to turn me in, I'll tell them that you were complicit in this and you helped me steal this. And they'll believe me because Roman happened to have to have to leave the office that day because he was wearing a neck brace and he was scheduled to have it removed, which is a hilarious concept to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he needed to like go to an appointment to have his neck brace taken <laughs> off. And it's, it's not like it's metal or anything. It's like a plastic neck brace that clearly you can just like take Snap off and off. put on as, as needed. So I thought that was kind of a funny bit. Um, there are lots of like low key humorous moments like that throughout the movie that'll make you kind of chuckle if you think about what's going on. But like if you're not paying attention you may not notice the humor that's underlying the story but um so you know moran you know reports himself goes to jail and roman is trying to deal with the guilt of having this money at his home and, and what to do with it um and it's you know kind of you know both of their lives start to go awry you know as as you would expect um but it doesn't the movie does not do what you think it's going to do and it's kind of this it's interesting analysis of, you know, what your time is worth, what your life is worth, and what what is freedom, and can you actually find that even if you get everything you want? If you are able to get the money that you need, not have to work the terrible, soul-sucking corporate job at the bank, can you even find happiness in whatever you would seek out otherwise? And um, it, it's a really interesting 
character piece. It moves along pretty slowly. It doesn't like I say slow cinema. It's not like uh, you know uh, um, showing up. Yeah, it's not a Kelly Reichert film. It's not a Bellatar film. It's not like something that is achingly slow moving. It does move along, and there it's it's more of just like a character analysis of what um, these guys are are going through as they're dealing with these ideas. And mm. um, it has a very open ending that kind of leaves you unsure of what the movie is necessarily trying to say, and it leaves it open-ended on if these characters are necessarily able to achieve what they want. But I, I think it's a, a very interesting kind of think piece on corporate life and, you know, working the types of soulless jobs that the three of us work. And, you know, is it is it worth doing? And even if you are able to say, fuck it and go, like, live off the grid or do whatever, can you even get happiness doing that? Or is it just an internal problem or maybe you just need to figure out how to be happy with your life and create that for yourself in your own circumstances rather than trying to run away from everything that's around you. So um, I had a really good time with the movie. I think there are some things that work really well and some parts that didn't as much. It probably doesn't need to be three hours and nine minutes. Um, Damn. You know, but I, I did enjoy it throughout. It's really beautifully shot. There are a lot of gorgeous countryside nature scenes um and you know i don't want to say too much more without giving uh anything else away but it's an it's an interesting story that uh, you know if for both characters like the guy who's outside of prison trying to figure out his shit and the guy who's in prison and thinking about how you know is prison life even that different than life working at a bank is it even that much worse you know like what are the uh corollaries there mm-hmm. and um th- there's a lot of cool ideas that, that come together in a way that like I, I feel like it would benefit from multiple viewings like i would be interested to watch this again at some point and to see how it sits with me and um i i enjoyed watching it i think I think I think it probably gets better the more you go back to it. But, you know, I don't know. I've seen it once, but I did enjoy The Delinquents, and I would recommend people check it out. Yeah, somebody had recommended that to me. What the hell is Mubi? Yeah, Mubi is like cow good to be. Yeah, M-U-B-I is how it's spelled. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if it is like its mission statement is like exclusively we're only going to show foreign films, but that seems to be kind of how it has mm. turned out is that it's somewhat mostly somewhat recent foreign films that have been critically acclaimed at festivals and stuff and have struggled to get us distribution will end up on movie. Um, there's a movie I talked about on the podcast a year or two ago called Azor. That was another Argentinian film that I really liked that is still on movie. And that's the only way you can get it. I tried to get mm. it on Blu-ray. It doesn't exist. Um, so I, they do a good job of promoting good foreign films that are somewhat recent that are, are hard to find other places. So hmm. if you, if that sounds interesting to you, I, I, it'd be worth checking it out, getting a, you know, but paying for it for a month and, and seeing what's on yeah, there. Yeah, giving it a shot. Yeah. yeah Cause that's kind of where my mind went is just some of the, you know, some of the foreign films that just fly under the radar. Cause yeah, because of distribution issues, but it, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's so stupid though now. Like <laughs> I understand yeah. there's a certain amount of like, you know, difficulty with distributing something, you know, back in the day, quote back in the day. Right. Like, we Netflix actually just... have to get your film reel to a theater and right. get them to show and you, it. 
yeah, you got to go sell it. You got to really got to advertise it. But I'm like, mm-hmm. Netflix does stuff, foreign stuff all the time that they just throw in there. And sometimes they promote it and sometimes they don't. Yeah. And so it seems like there should be a good corner in each one. Of, you know, we're they you know, don't often probably do about to die. They house foreign films, though. Everything is so, so disaggregated and separated and you have to have subscriptions to all these different things. Like it, it's almost like consumers are all living in their own little worlds based on whatever streaming services yeah. they have, you know? And it's like for people like us who just want to watch the movies that we want to watch, like we'll suck it up and pay for a month of this service so we can go find stuff we want to see. But it's like, you know, it's like I, I, I know people who are like, oh, yeah, well, I have Netflix. And so I just watch what's on that. And that provides me whatever entertainment My I content. need. And so, like, I'm just going to watch the things that they surface or like I only have Apple TV or I only have whatever. And and, you know, that leads to this weird siloed society where like you don't have event TV or event movies anymore. And we have just this like segregated culture where we all live in our own little he's areas. like describing a philip k dick novel <laughs> yes yeah right uh, yeah yeah <laughs> well that, yeah, yeah it's interesting because the the media is ever more available like it's never been this easy to see stuff right. from like, anywhere if you walk into anywhere you want to watch it you right like but then to walk domain but no it's literally right. like, like we don't think we're going to make our money back on this like the and therefore on there, instead got, of like putting it on out there and, and trying to, to make money on it let's just write it off now you'll get people to a fucking house we can record this as a loss stuff they've taken down that show is taking off a bunch of stuff like fucking you own it like not letting a streaming service tell me what to do but every time they have Ted or Ted 2 on there I'm like fucking lying but yeah no it's because of these little bubbles now which is the which is the equivalent to the people who are like no I don't want to be paid more because I'll have to pay more taxes like that's exactly it's like I don't want you watching my shit I'll have to pay people have they gotten to the point where they can make Adam Sandler films without Adam Sandler being involved? Because uh, I feel like that's like when the singularity happens is when we don't mm-hmm. recognize if it was actually made by Adam Sandler that, or not. That's your bar? <laughs> that's my bar. <laughs> that is my bar. <laughs> Nobody's done it yet, Ryan. <laughs> There's a certain level yeah. of shill <laughs> that's required. I feel Some people like want to already... know if it actually understands language or if it can <laughs> yeah. pretend to be human. John wants to know yeah. can it make an Adam Sandler movie? Yeah, and then we'll know. Which are pretty much like an eight-year-old just throwing ideas at you as yeah, fast as possible. Yeah, that's what generative AI will do. <laughs> just... I, I feel like we're almost there, right? It's like yeah. if you made a movie that was like you just put a script into AI, you're just like make an Adam Sandler movie and it shout out some terrible script and you had some awful Netflix director yeah. make it and shoot it in like bad digital with terrible marvel level cgi behind it you could like almost not notice that adam sandler was just fully cgi'd right like, yeah yeah yeah. he's got that like, slightly he's got like six fingers instead of five or something uh-huh. <laughs> yeah fucking <laughs> like you could like if you weren't like really invested in the movie if you're just like doing what apparently people do where they just like turn on a movie and just do other things and just have the movie on in the background yeah. which is a completely foreign concept to me uh <laughs> like you could just not notice that it's a it's fake CGI. Adam yeah, Sandler. you just look over and you're like, "Wow, Rob Schneider in blackface." I didn't realize he did yeah. that. <laughs> you just believe it. So <laughs> that probably would be something the AI would put out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It can that's it, it can only work off what it already has to work from. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's true. Like most of Hollywood. <laughs> so uh, you know, there you go. 
Um, oh, cool. Man. Yeah, we're going to recommend or refute or rant the fuck out of something. <laughs> yeah, uh, we just went on a long format. side tangent about streaming <laughs> services. I will say for for to movies credit, uh, that movie I mentioned, Azor, that I really loved from two years ago, is still on movie two years later. Not a tax so write off yet, huh? I am I am very surprised it's still there. I can't get it on physical yet, but That's it a is shame. it is there on movie. So. Um, it's cool, and they don't have that much stuff. They have like fifty movies, and that's it. So like they've they've Small kept selection. they've kept the stuff that they like that is is still there. Yeah, but yeah, cool. um, it's definitely worth checking out if you're into like interesting artistic modern foreign films. They have some cool stuff um, nice. available there. Also, there's a movie, another from the movie from this year called Passages that got a lot of critical acclaim that is available on movie if you're seeking that i think that's the only way to see it so okay uh but yeah i would recommend the delinquents i do think that's where uh, we we're, we're coming back around <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I, I think it's a really interesting film it is it is a bit overly long but i was never bored during it there were parts that i was like you know yeah maybe we didn't need this here and and it could have been edited a little more concisely but i did enjoy the entire thing and i thought it was a very interesting meld of genres and uh kind of an interesting identity crisis movie about what it's like to work a soulless corporate job and how you deal with that and maybe the potential routes that could go if you more are a moron person or a roman person and kind of the different sides of that coin and how they play out so um we definitely recommend every time you say moron I it keep sounds like moron yeah, yeah it's absolutely it's m-o-r-a-n and it's pronounced moron uh, yeah, and, the, the uh, yeah. anglican way would be moran but uh yeah. you know there you go <laughs> uh, what do i know i'm a moron <laughs> yeah exactly yeah johnson johnson moron i'm the roman of, of this uh, equation uh but cool all right that is gonna wrap us up for this week we have an enthusiastic nostalgic mournful recommend for action jackson and everything carl weathers has ever done rest in peace we have a refute for the outlaw Outlaw johnny 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 black Black. and a recommend for the delinquents i have been your host michael dixon with me as always ryan king miss you carl weathers miss you absolutely and john garcia uh yeah I, we got to get a new carl salesman ad or something in his honor. <laughs> yeah we should we should we put to together an, an honorable <laughs> there is no meat left on this podcast bone uh <laughs> but you could probably take it home throw it in the pot with some veggies and uh baby you got a stew going <laughs> very nice very nice Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.